Hello again, and welcome to the latest of my Birmingham and around the street name podcasts. Again, thank you for all the messages, and I've been learning about lots of different places that people are listening to them, from exercise bicycles to while doing the gardening. It's interesting what we're all filling our time with at the moment. Well, today's episode takes us on to the letters S, T, and U. And we'll begin with S for Spicial Street or Spicial Street, S-P-I-C-E-A-L. Now, if you look in an A to Z of Birmingham, you won't find Spicial Street, but it's worth including as it's one of those names that's made a, a bit of a comeback. It's in the city centre, or was. It was one of a number of roads which ran off the old triangular bullring open market and which from the earliest days of the market charter in the 12th century became something of an overspill. Now, in this case, it was for the spice dealers, hence Spicial Street. Like so much of the medieval layout of the streets around the bullring, it was all swept away in the 1950s and 1960s at the interests of road widening and shopping and redevelopment and so-called progress. But the name has sort of returned in a nice nod to the past. The developers of the modern day Bullring have decided to use the name Spicial Street for a collection of eating places inside the open market area, if I could put it like that. Incidentally, Spicial Street also manages to get a, a mention in the folk song, I Can't Find Brummagem. Some of you might know that, some of you might not, but it's an 1820s song which tells the story of a Brummie who goes away for full 20 years and who comes back to find that the town has changed beyond all recognition and new buildings have replaced olds and whole streets have been swept away. And in that, the singer laments, poor old Spicial Street's half gone and the poor old church stands all alone. A poor old I stand here to moan for I can't find Brummagem. So it's nice that it's a name that has, if not officially as a street, has a name within a collection of restaurants. Come back to us today. S is for Spicial Street. T is for Three Shires Oak road. And this is actually the first of our forays out of Birmingham itself, although it only brings us just over the city boundary to the Bearwood district of Smethwick, which unfortunately is now part of the metropolitan borough of Sandwell. Now, before the trials and tribulations of the 1960s and 1970s local government reforms, if we weren't stripping old streets away, we were removing old county loyalties. Birmingham, as all Brummies should know, was firmly in the county of Warwickshire. Smethwick, on the other hand, on the opposite side of a stream called the Shireland Brook, Shireland, meaning the boundary of the Shire, was in Staffordshire. A little bit further along, Oldbury, which until the 1920s met Smethwick at the far end of Three Shires Oak Road, was in Worcestershire. Are you all keeping up at the back? Anyway, this leads a lot of people to believe that these are the three shires referred to in the name of the road, Staffordshire, Worcestershire, Warwickshire. But they are wrong. The three shires oak was once a real tree, which stood at the junction of three shires oak road, Thimble Mill Road, 
Wigorn Road and Abbey Road. And this tree was indeed the meeting point of three shires and was said to have roots that grew into the three counties. But Warwickshire wasn't one of them because that was several hundred yards away up at the other end of the road. The mystery is one of those delightful idiosyncrasies which make English life so delightful. Because at one time, this was the meeting point of Staffordshire, Worcestershire, and incredibly perhaps, a detached portion of Shropshire, which county included much of Hales Owen and Worley right up until the 19th century. Indeed, the names Worley Wigan and Worley Salop still survive in nearby road names, Wigan being the old and Latin word for Worcestershire and Salop the old and Latin word for Shropshire. And today, there is, if you look carefully, near the site where that tree once grew into three shires, there is a blue plaque on the corner of what used to be a, a bakery there. But generally, it's not somewhere that is terribly well known. Funnily enough, that could have ended up being the Birmingham boundary towards the end of the 19th century. Birmingham was starting to expand and was looking to annex or merge with several adjoining districts. And Smethwick, which in those days was considered for many purposes to be part of Harborn, was almost gobbled up by Birmingham in the same way. Local opinion in Smethwick was very, very divided about whether it should become part of Birmingham. And interestingly, the thing went to a meeting of the local board. And when the board voted, it was a dead heat. It was only decided on the casting vote of the chairman. And he, in order to preserve the status quo, voted against the merger with Birmingham. And Smethwick, which is actually closer to Birmingham city centre than many, many of Birmingham's own suburbs, remained outside the city ever more. Um, in 1927, Smethwick itself gobbled up a large part of the Worley area of Oldbury for new housing. Um, and then in the 1960s, Smethwick, Oldbury and Rowley were merged together into a short-lived new borough, which took the name Worley from the point where Smethwick and Oldbury meet. But Worley was eventually taken over by the new Sandwell Metropolitan Borough in 1974, merging with Wednesbury and Tipton and West Bromwich to form a very large local authority area with no very obvious community and some vastly different places in style and culture. Uh, the name Sandwell is actually taken from Sandwell Hall, which was the ancestral home of the Earls of Dartmouth, who lived in West Bromwich but owned considerable land in West Bromwich and in Smethwick. And the name Dartmouth appears in both towns, as does the name Lewisham. The, the title Viscount Lewisham is a courtesy title, which is normally held by the eldest son of the Earls of Dartmouth. So you will, in Smethwick and West Bromwich, come across Dartmouth Roads, Lewisham Roads, there's a Lewisham Hotel, and so on. But that is the story of the tree with roots in three shires and the road from which it took its name. So T is for three shires Oak Road. U is for Upper Mill Lane. This is sometimes said to be the shortest street in Birmingham. I can't absolutely 
guarantee that. I can tell you where the narrowest one is. It's Regent Row in the Jewelry Quarter. But Upper Mill Lane is certainly a very short street linking Digbeth with Moat Lane near the open markets. Moat Lane itself is named after the moat which once surrounded the manor house of the de Birmingham family. Now, as we've heard before, water power from the River Ray and the various other ponds around here were put to good effect from a very early date, powering a series of mills. Now, initially, these were mostly concerned with the fulling of cloth and also with the tanning of hides. Uh, the leather manufacturing industry is something we only really realised was as important as it was in medieval Birmingham when there was a lot of archaeological work at the end of the 20th, beginning of the 21st century with the redevelopment of the bullring. But certainly mills were a source of very important power. And I'm always keen to point out to people that Birmingham as an industrial town did not somehow begin with the Industrial Revolution. Water power was being harnessed in order to uh, to tan and to weave cloth and so on, uh, to grind corn and later on still to manufacture blades and swords. So Birmingham, oh, and also we were we were doing a lot of pottery work. There is a kind of pottery called Derrit End ware, first discovered in Derrit End in the 1950s. So Birmingham was manufacturing things very early on. I'm talking the 12th century, possibly even earlier than that, and even working in metal, although there is no natural metal found under Birmingham. There are no useful minerals. There's no coal, there's no limestone, there's no iron ore. It all had to be imported from the black country nearby, which is the start. However different Birmingham and the black country are, there has always been this rather symbiotic relationship between the two. They've always needed each other, one as uh, a market and the other as a source of much needed goods. So the two have always had this relationship with one another. So to return to Upper Mill Lane, by the, the 17th century, uh, the manufacture of swords and blades had become very important. And Upper Mill Lane takes its name from one of the many mills in the area, this one presumably being the uppermost, which was manufacturing swords. And this is what led to the attack we heard of in a previous episode on Birmingham by Prince Rupert and his royalist forces on Easter Monday, 1643, because Birmingham had been supplying weaponry to Republican or Roundhead Parliamentarian group, Birmingham went to extinguish this supply. Uh, they didn't succeed, and it was actually a very bloody battle that was fought with no very clear winner, I have to say. Um, Lord Denby, for example, he fought for the Royalists, and his son fought at the same battle for the Parliamentarians. And one of them, we don't know which, or maybe it's both of them, is actually commemorated by Denby Street up near Camp Hill. Going forward in time, in 1731, Upper Mill Lane is shown as the site of Lloyd's Slitting Mill, which tells us that it was working with metal. The name Lloyd is a clue that from quite early on, Birmingham was starting to import people from elsewhere. Birmingham as a town of immigration has a very long pedigree, in this case from Wales, and later people were to come from Western Scotland, Ireland, and then in the 20th century from much, much further afield. But Lloyd's slitting mill eventually itself fell victim to the culverting 
of the River Ray because it flooded so much. They hid it away underground. Occasionally now we get rather excited artists' impressions by some young, impressionable planner who's read about our vanished river and decides that it would be great to open it up. Uh, there are pictures of people sitting out on terraces in the Digbeth area looking down onto the lovely blue waters of the Ray, uh, ignoring the fact that the Ray was culverted in the first place, because when we get even moderately heavy rain, this tiny little muddy trickle that people sometimes laugh at ends up becoming an absolute raging torrent. And if we didn't have it culverted, in large areas of Digbeth, you'd end up seeing who got to sit in the shallow end of the cafe. We can, however, dream, and we still have the street names to remind us. So U is for Upper Mill Lane. Once again, thank you very much for listening. Thanks for the messages. Please carry on sending them. If you haven't already got in touch, it's nice to hear from you. And I look forward to the next one of these when we move on to, w, uh, to VW. And strangely enough, what can I do when I get to X? Tune in next time to see. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a great day. Bye bye.